poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson, and I am joined once again by my Philosophical Friday co-host, Duncan Palamortis. Duncan, how are we doing, sir? Good, good, good. How's, how's everything with you? Life is quite good, quite good. Enjoying the summer, raising my wolves, raising my children, raising my cats, I do a lot of raising these days. <laughs> you do a lot of raising. So you you would say you're taking the initiative? <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I say, set you up pretty well for that one. Um, if if I never hear the word initiative again for, for the rest of my life, I, I think I would, uh, that would be okay. <laughs> but for, for the listener, um, we, we're not probably going to touch like a, a deep topic uh, in a while. It's mostly because it takes a, a tremendous amount of work, but uh, I thought uh, I would give you a good scare right there. <laughs> so, so, so what are we thinking of talking about today, Brad? Uh, we're going to talk about self-criticism, being mm-hmm. self-critical, um, as it relates to playing poker, uh, more constructive ways of being self-critical. Um, yeah, I think that's the, the general topic of the day. That, that, that's exactly right. And uh, I wanted to start like with, uh, with, with, with a fun one, right? So I did, uh, I did a Twitter poll, um, and I, I actually got a, a decent sample size. You know, anything, anytime you get answers above 30, uh, is is considered a decent. Uh, and the question was, do you think, and when I say do you think, I mean in your personal opinion, right? Do you think you're being self-critical enough where I um, highlighted enough? So that was important. Uh, so I, I do have a few questions for you <laughs> to, make it, to make it interesting here. So basically three questions. What would be your answer? How do you think Twitter answered? And uh, which answer you think shows that you're actually self-critical? <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just putting you on the spot. Uh, by the way, we haven't prepared this, so I just I, I always like to see honest answers from Brad. Yeah. Uh, so off the, the first question my, is for, yeah. first question is how do you answer? What is your answer? Do you think you're being self self-critical enough? That's the the no. Okay. No is my okay. answer. Okay. Um, Okay. Very good. I, I see the gaps. Uh, it's also like a very broad question too, because there's so many yes. facets of life where, you know, we can be self-critical or not self-critical. I mean, if it's if like, only there was a podcast about philosophy where we can talk about yeah, those talk, talk about every facet. You know, like you know, just talking about nutritionally, talking mm-hmm. about health wise, talking about poker wise or business wise. I think that, yeah, there's. In all the facets, I would say I'm not self-critical yes. enough in every single one. Uh, very good. I would agree, by the way. I would, I would give the same answer to myself. Uh, myself. So how do you think Twitter answered? That's always a hard one. Um, how do I think Twitter answered? So basically, the, the question is how self-aware are people? I would say... 70 yes 30 no yeah that, that's what i would expect too I, I would expect to be heavily biased on yes but i don't know if it's something to do with like the the people who follow me or uh but it was actually a perfect 50 50. really like that was like a, a, an actual 50 50 right not not 50.2 versus 40 49.8 or whatever this yeah. is perfect 50 50 yeah uh and now here's the funny part like uh, which answer do you think shows that they're uh, uh, shows those who are actually self-critical, like the uh, yes or the no. The, the no. I think the so no. too. I think so too. Yeah. I think those who actually say I'm not being self-critical enough are usually the ones who are more self-critical than than the people who are like. So it's a, it's a weird like those who say yes, I am self-critical. I mean, no, 
I mean, no offense, no disrespect. Like, there's different approaches, and I'm not saying there's right, right or wrong answers, but you bet you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're not really like self-critical if you think you're being self-critical <laughs> enough, right? So, uh, yeah, self-criticism can be something that can, when taken to the extreme, can even be harmful. And hopefully, we can discuss some of these aspects uh, today. Yeah, I think it takes a, a high level of self-awareness to see the the areas in which you need to be more self-critical. And it's easy to say that you are already self-critical enough um, without having awareness of just like all the different facets of your life where you, you could improve things. Um, I would say that like on, on a scale of like one to 10, I, I don't score a 10 in any facet of life personally right. is my, my belief. I don't think I've ever seen anybody scoring a 10 in, 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 in any aspect of life to, to, to be fair, right? I mean, that's like when you see what's available out there, Right. I mean, just uh, I, I don't know, like uh, go on YouTube or something and try cooking and see what people can do with cooking. Like there's no way people can feel that they're up there at the top, you know, one yeah. percent of the one percent or. Yeah. I have a, a, a friend of mine, you know, won an Olympic gold medal in rowing and set a world record. OK, there you go. There you go. Like he, there that, you go. That, that's that's the one. Right. The Olympians who right. stand on top of the podium and set world records. Those, those are the people that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think they're, they're being self-critical enough there. <laughs> They've reached the pinnacle. <laughs> and then they're like, you know, what's better than one gold medal? Of course. And, and if you ask them, they, yeah, they, they would say, no, there's plenty of areas I can improve. What are you talking about? Like, I, I, you know, um, we cannot, we cannot win that, uh, that, that game. So what does it mean, uh, to, to be self self-critical then? How? Uh, yeah. So, you, you can finish the question. Yeah. So how do we, when we see all of these things around us, right? I mean, the, the reverse Dunning-Kruger in some sense, right? The more you know about stuff, the more you realize that you don't know, right? As you expand the circle of your competence, the more you realize how vast the area outside is, right? If you're a small circle, you only see a small perimeter. But if you're a big circle, you see a bigger perimeter and then more stuff that you don't know, right? So... What does it mean to be self-critical in, 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 in that context? Um, again, I think it relates to awareness of progression and areas where you can progress and also monitoring how you're doing on like a day-to-day -day basis as it relates to said area. Um, so it's like it's a fluid daily process. Uh, absolutely. And... Uh, and, and uh, uh, who who de who determines who determines that? Who determines? I, I mean, yeah. it, it could be you know it, it could be either an internal source or an outside source, and the outside source would be like a coach, right? Like mm -hmm. you know who's monitoring and has like objective data based on your progression in certain spots. You know the the wolves kind of jump to the front of my mind where you know I can see their progression, I can monitor it, I can I can see like. Uh, how they're thinking about spots uh, now compared to how they were before. Um, so it's something that like you can track with data and then, and then it could also be, you know, an, an internal gauge, but, but I would actually say the internal gauge should probably be more systemized um, than based on like feelings. I, I think it should be based on some sort of concrete data. Um, I, I've mentioned uh, previously on the podcast, that one thing that I do with private coaching students and the wolves is like when they go through a patch where they're like struggling over, you know, a few weeks or a month, um, I have them watch a coaching session that we did like four months ago, right? Because that shows them tangible evidence of progression over time. And, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror every single day, you don't see much change, but you look at it from year to year, you see a lot of change. And so it's like, it's really good to monitor like where you were before compared to like where you are now. I think that's that's an excellent point. Uh, and do you think that the external factors remain external or do you think that in the end, uh, external factors become internalized? I think external factors um, really are just a guiding force to what you think internally, right? Mm -hmm. Like ultimately it's your responsibility um, and it all lays with you right? Mm -hmm. You can actually mistrust the external factors and then that will cause, uh, you know, just that will cause you to, to discount that and, and then trust your internal 
stuff more. So like basically your internal stuff can override the external effectively, which means that the internal stuff um, is like, you know, the top. I, I, I would agree with that. And actually, you made an excellent case with the example that uh, not only just by looking at ourselves in the mirror, but also having some people uh, giving us hints that maybe, you know, our path, uh, um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're getting out of a, of a specific path, right? So they can put us back in. But that's only because our internal mechanisms allow us to see that, right? So only when somebody is open to that, can actually see that perhaps you know uh, they've been they've been led led astray, right? But and the 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 trick of it too is that like progress isn't linear, mm -hmm. like it, it's like a, a graph in poker, right? Where like you zoom out of a crusher's graph and like yeah, it trends upwards, right? It's mm -hmm. like obviously going up, but you zoom very you zoom in to like the daily sessions, there's obviously downs and ups and ups and downs and ups and downs. So like it's easy to lose track of things if you're just, uh, you know, you're, you're just trying to use like anecdotal evidence and you're not tracking anything. You don't have any parameters that you're setting. Um, so yeah, like it's hard zooming out. Like we, we live life in the moment. Um, we live life right at each of those little plot points on the graph and it's hard to really see the big picture. Um, so yeah, I, I think ultimately though, the responsibility comes from internally and whether or not you pay or let an outside source influence you, um, then that's just helping guide you internally. Absolutely. And uh, with everything that, you know, when we let somebody else take control of the ship or like uh, we're outsourcing uh, our, some of our decisions, essentially comes some possible disadvantages. So what are some of the, of these advantages and disadvantages of, of, of being self-critical? Um, so I guess, could you reframe the, the question here? Sure, yeah, so I can be a little bit more specific, right? So, um, so basically we defined uh, self-criticism as a form of internal mechanism that can be affected by external factors at our will in uh, the goal of these mechanisms are to raise awareness to the situation uh, around us and hopefully lead to improvement. Is that sort of like a fair yeah, definition fair. of, oh, okay. So there is a lot of things that we talked about. We talked about internal mechanisms, this could be faulty. We talked about external influences, this could be malfunctioning or this could be have ulterior motives. Uh, they can, uh, you know, uh, or they can be really good-willed. So there's good and bad things that can happen. However, we want to define good and bad. So what would we say are some of the advantages and disadvantages of that process of us basically saying, um, uh, taking the Socratic approach and saying, you know, like, I know one thing, I know nothing. I'm basically a big, you know, fat idiot uh, trying to figure things out that I know I can't, right? So mm -hmm. where this is useful, where is this taking too far is what I'm basically trying to. Uh, yeah. To well, so I'm going to throw that question back to you in a moment, mm -hmm. but I, I just realized something, you know, while, while you were talking that whenever you're being self-critical, it's generally due to a sense that you're underperforming mm -hmm. in some sort of facet of your life. So there is like this desire to progress, whether it be um, dietary, nu nutrition, health, poker, uh, fitness, dating, whatever it is, the self-criticism tends to come in an, I mean, I think it always comes in an area where you wish to progress, right? Mm -hmm. um, else, yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head that's just self-criticism just to be self-critical. Um, so we need to add to that definition then a self-imposed threshold that we're trying to reach. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll throw back your question to you. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll ping, ping off of it because I'm not entirely certain that I, I understand. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I don't either, right? I mean, that's the whole point, right? I mean, it's, uh, we don't- well, Give we me don't... a practical example of your yeah, of, of yeah. The question, yeah. Right, so, so, and what I mean by that, I, I, I don't either, we don't exactly know the advantage and disadvantage of being self-critical. We don't sure. know the answers to these questions because if we did, you know, we'll figure out life out, right? So yeah. we're trying to figure out as we speak and think about it. So here is one, for example, one advantage I would consider of uh, of, of being uh, of being self-critical. 
um, realizing that at the core of the decisions uh, is your personal uh, will, your personal internal mechanisms, means that in the end of the day, it's you against you. It's not you against the world, it's you against you, which means basically you're not talking about the concept of, oh, I want to be better than um, than X. I just, they, it all comes down to, I want to be better than either a specific threshold that, that I set, or I want to be better than I was yesterday, which again is a way of, of setting an individual threshold. So some of the advantages of actually being self-critical as opposed to, you know, outer critical or whatever the word would be. So like mm -hmm. letting other people affect your life is that you actually, you decide the rules of the game, right? I mean, you say, these are the, uh, the rules I'm going to play by. And this is yeah. very, very important. Like in the end of the day, and I consider that to be an advantage because a lot of people, you know, they will live their lives as if, you know, things are being expected of them. Um, you know, they need to meet uh, specific uh, external either deadlines or thresholds. And all of a sudden they have that, that stress and pressure that they don't live their own lives. Somebody else uh, dictates it for them. Yeah, I would say there's, there's also disadvantages in that too. In that Absolutely. If you don't know the rules of the game that you're playing, then you could have outsized expectations that are impossible to meet. Um, Correct. You know, you, you, if you've, you're not familiar with poker, you know, and you play like two five, and you think, oh, I can win a thousand dollars an hour, right? right? And like that's your goal, right. um, and that's what you strive towards. Well, you'll never reach that goal because it, it's not possible over a sustained period of time, right? So, like, Correct. basically. Yeah, I think that those that internal drive needs to be calibrated and you need to understand the rules of the game in which you're playing, else you're just setting yourself up for failure from the jump. Absolutely. And I would agree with, with that 100 percent. The one thing that I would add is that ultimately, and that's what I was referring to, it's your decision whether you want to decide to play the game, right? Sure. That's the, that's the thing that we forget. Like the person who says I'm going to win $1,000 an hour, they're obviously misguided if, if they're playing uh, to five. But they could always, if they realized what the situation was, they could have walked away and not play that game, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's what they, they they may be forgetting. But I agree with you that you know we need to use external factors, and uh, in order to also see. I mean, we live in a society, right? I mean, you you can say, for example, that hey, you know what? I wanna, you know, uh, let's say that you work for a company, and you can say. You know what? I, I I choose to work an hour a week for that company. I don't want. I I I, I live by my own rules. Obviously, this is not going to go very well, right? So, there yeah. is certain things that uh, um, uh, there are certain restrictions, which uh, the, the natural restrictions. Um, so, what are some uh, some disadvantages of of uh, of self criticism? Or maybe we can explore some more advantages, you know, like how can, let, let's, let's talk a little bit more about some advantages, like how can help us improve, you know, when done right, you know, how can that help someone uh, by being self-critical? Um, I mean, day? yeah, I think like it's just a matter of progression, right? Like you, you have a target, mm -hmm. you have a focus, you invest energy into that target and into that focus, and you tend to pro make progress. So like, I mean, that that's just like the primary advantage to, to being self-critical is that, um, whatever endeavor you're taking on, you tend to get a little bit closer to that goal um, by virtue of un understanding the areas that you need to improve. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and the thing is that we, we cannot improve unless uh, we make assumptions, as I like to, to call it, like sure. as, it, as it pertains to poker, um, you cannot improve no assumptions. Like I, I always encourage my students to make assumptions. Like you are in a situation in a spot, Give your opponent a range. Give your opponent a strategy. It's 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 infinitely infinitely many times better to be wrong about it than to have no opinion whatsoever. Because well, you can improve yeah. a wrong opinion. You don't have anything to improve on no opinion. Yeah, you, you do have an opinion. It's just nebulous and intangible, and that doesn't allow you to you know doesn't allow you to get any feedback. It Correct. doesn't allow you to make progress because you, you don't even know what you're thinking. You can't quantify it. And so right. like, you just can't work with that. Right. And practically, I would argue that this is equivalent to having no opinion, essentially. Sure. Right? That is, it's so nebulous that, you know, yeah. you don't really know if it's, you know, are they strong, are they weak, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it helps us. Uh, so being self-critical helps us uh, achieving goals. Like we're setting thresholds and hopefully we're crossing them. Very Absolutely. nice. 
So what are some disadvantages of being self-critical, if any? Uh, what, oh, I, I think there's definitely disadvantages. Um, blind spots, mm -hmm. you know, like the, you know, we're, we're talking about like being internally self-critical and then like the, the disadvantage uh, of being internally self-critical is like identifying your blind spots. Mm -hmm. Like you just don't know what you don't know. And mm -hmm. having like an outside source that can help you identify those and pull them to surface so that you have extra targets to shoot at. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's like an invaluable tool that like coaches or even like if you're building something and watching a YouTube video, right? Any, anywhere that um, an outside source can just help you and show you the way that's generally brought upon through like lots of years of experience and learning and deep thought. Uh, they're just expediting your, your progress way faster than you could on your own because you don't have to spend all that time. Absolutely. And uh, when that, uh, the, the thing I would add there, when that external source doesn't agree, it doesn't uh, exist uh, in, in your near environment, right? Let's mm -hmm. say you're working on something. You don't How have does somebody it not exist these days. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Like, I mean, you have to find it. What I mean is that, like, let's say you're in a situation uh, of your life, you know, you, you make you make a decision and you don't happen to have the other side of the argument. Right. I mean, either you don't have somebody who disagree with you. Um, you yeah, know, there's 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 a forum on Reddit called Am I the Asshole? You can yeah, go on yeah. you can go on there and describe the situation uh, and get right. crowd crowdsource <laughs> feedback on as to whether or not you, you're the asshole in this situation, right? Immediate, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. But the, the the one thing which I think is uh, is relevant here is that um, we gotta let uh, the external source affect us in some way. If we block the external sources from affecting us, we're, we're never going to be able to, to change our minds. And I would argue that's where a concept like meta-humility comes into play. Mm -hmm. Like meta-humility doesn't assume an external source. We know at all times we suck, right? So, and that's lovingly, right? I mean, we suck at all times. It doesn't matter what we do. Ultimately, we're too little to be able to, in, in a meta sense, uh, thrive in anything. Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. Mm -hmm. um, from a broad sense of like why humanity has evolved and made so much progress over the mm -hmm. past, say, 100 years, right? Uh, I told my wife um, just yesterday, like we kind of live, like I'm 38 years old, so my generation is like an interesting generation that's kind of a bridge from two different lives, two different worlds. Like when I was a kid, there nobody had cell phones. Now everybody has cell phones. We spend, you know, 30% of waking time looking down at a cell phone or a computer or some kind of screen, right? Like our whole lives are ruled by technology um, in the modern age. But like 20 years ago, or uh, I guess now it's 30 years ago, holy cow, um, you went to a little league baseball game and like everybody just had to watch the game. There, there was right. nothing else to, to focus on, right? Um and like that amount of progress comes through collaboration. It comes through sharing information and building upon that which other people have earned, which is the nature of allowing outside forces influence you, right? It's like it just anybody that stands, like we all stand on the shoulders of giants, right? right? We all stand on the shoulders of people who have learned these lessons um, and progressed and iterated and progressed and iterated. And now we reap the benefits of that. So like in our day-to-day -day individual lives, this micro existence of just our life, why, why would we think that like we're any different than the whole of humanity as it relates to letting an outside source influence us and letting, you know, helping us progress our way through the world. I mean, that, that's just why humanity ha has come as far as it has. Absolutely. But that there, there is something to be said about asking permission uh, to stand on that shoulder of the giant, right? I mean, we have to ask our ego to give us permission, yeah. right? Because that's the thing we have to, to accept uh, that there is so many things that, that we don't know. And that's where, where meta humility comes, yeah. right? Because when, when do we know, you know, that uh, uh, like your friend that you mentioned before, I mean, there is a point, right? Somebody might think that, uh, you might be the most knowledgeable person on a specific topic inside the room. So you can easily say, you know what? You're not going to tell me what to do. I am the most knowledgeable on that specific topic, right? But that's exactly where we start violating meta-humility. That's exactly when we start closing the doors into exactly those collaborative forces that you're talking about. Even him, right? Like, it's right. funny. E even him, 
he told a story, uh, interviewed him on a podcast like a number of years ago now. And he told a story about somebody that was on his team because, you know, it rowing, uh, the type of rowing that he won a gold medal in, you're a part of a team. Um, and he was always the strongest, always the fastest in right. Canada. Right. And one of his teammates was outperforming him and just beating him day after day after day after day. <laughs> and eventually he had lunch with the guy and asked him like, what do you do differently? Why? Like, like, how do you train? What, what do you do? What's your process look like? Right. And that to me is like, this is an elite competitor who's one of the very best in the world. Uh, and there's only a handful of people that can outperform him. And he's asking the per one of the, the handful of people what he can learn from them. Right. And I think there's like just a very good lesson, um, in, in that anecdotal story of like, no matter who you are, what you do, where you're at, like everybody has a coach. Federer has a coach. Tiger Woods has a coach. Um, wh whatever elite champion you, you can think of in the world, they all have coaches. They all have people who can help uh, help them improve. And so, like, yeah. Um, anyway, that that's <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, and and you can learn. Like, you can learn from from anybody. Uh, under any circumstances, if you if you're willing to hear, like sure, for example, like, yeah, I was I was uh, that was that, that happened many years ago. I, it's an example from from poker. Occasionally, I bring those up. Uh, so uh, many years ago, when I was starting out, you know, I was playing at a at a live game. Um, I was I was doing really well, and then I was very friendly to my person uh, to the person next to me. And at some point, you know, they, uh, uh, you know, after. Uh, after a few pots, I mean, you know, won a, a couple of pots from him, but he was being very friendly, very nice. He said, you know what? I like you. I'm going to tell you something. He said, I know I have a tell on you, he said. And I was like, no way you have a tell on me. Like, you know, ego immediately, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm beating the crap out of you. There's no way you have a tell on me. And he's like, yes, I, I do have a tell on you. Every time you go all in, when you have it, you actually say nothing. You make a, you know, hand motion, right? Uh, and uh, when you actually are bluffing, you actually say all in verbally, yeah. which was like a, basically when I was strong, I was using my, 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 uh, verbal cue where I was weak. I wasn't saying anything, just the, the classic weak means strong, yeah. strong means yeah. weak. And it's like, I cannot, be, he was right. Actually, like that, I realized that I was doing this subconsciously, which is, you know, then I implemented specific things to do. Uh, so you can learn from anybody at any point like it's by you know letting the ego like my ego almost got in the way there me helping me improve my game mostly the ego in those types of situations are is going to be a deterrent to growth um melissa burr came on the podcast you know she's a high stakes mixed game crusher i think she may be retired from poker now i'm, I'm not exactly sure what, what she's doing doing in the world i know she's been involved in a lot of nfts stuff um but uh melissa told a story about playing a, a giant mix game against a fish who was just basically playing very poorly very aggressively over aggressively um and in one of the hands that this specific player played she learned something right it was a spot where like they raised where she would have never considered raising and then got like a positive outcome and she was like huh that's interesting mm -hmm. right this this player that's like losing you know thousands of dollars an hour right. in this game right. um there's still something to learn right because they ventured into some node or did something that like is rarely seen or rarely done and that most people don't think of and it's like oh wow that was actually pretty cool like i'm gonna i'm gonna pocket that and maybe use it someday right and like that's an example of somebody who you're way outperforming them you're a big favorite and yet you still learn something from them if you're paying attention and if you can set aside your ego um to do so and i think there's like these these sort of lessons are not just abundant in poker but they're abundant in life all over the place where like you're a higher performer than somebody else but you can always learn from somebody no, no matter what uh, absolutely and uh, and this is why sometimes you know like I, I sound like a broken record and i keep bringing meta humility because i feel that meta humility can remind us 
that you can never win this game in an absolute sense. You're always going to be behind in some sense. Thank goodness. It, 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 thank goodness. Exactly right. That's 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 the thing. But the thing is that you know the ego tells us otherwise, and this is something. I mean, I, I'm sure Brad, you can relate to that. You know, like when it's easy when when you are the best player at your table, it's easy to be you know drift afar a little bit, and then it's easy to fly too close to the sun. There is a reason why Icarus story resonates so well with us humans, right? I mean there is it's easy sometimes to say you know what i can fly i can go closer to the sun I can, I can do it you know i'm awesome right it's easy to say i'm awesome and sometimes you know people will even encourage you to say those things you know i'm awesome i'm the best blah 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 princess whatever like we're being raised in all these great environments uh but we can never win that game and that's okay like coming to terms with the fact that we suck it's okay it's a beautiful you know, sucking. <laughs> and, and tying tying it back into like self criticism. Yeah. Um. I, I think that like you know in your Twitter poll, the, the people that say yes, I am self critical enough, right? Uh. I, I think that there's opportunity to miss all of these potential upgrades in life when you think you're self critical enough. Like when you're not actively trying to find um these these upgrades. Like that that to me is like really where self-criticism can can be a big benefit in that like oh you know i'm pretty good i know a lot but there's still many different areas that i would like to learn more about um and i think that folks like me the way that i i sort of channel that energy because it could be exhausting yeah like, exactly that's another disadvantage right yeah it could be exhausting it could be just draining um you you could have low self-esteem ironically mm -hmm. no 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 of course um uh, saying that you suck every day i mean that's not the best thing right i mean the, yeah the, the, it's, it's not, not a very healthy healthy self-talk right um right. i tend to look at things through a lens of curiosity mm -hmm. and that that's sort of where um that's exciting to me like solving mysteries investigating something that i'm curious about that that gets me going that gets me excited right um, whereas like, yeah, just a self-flagellation saying that you suck, that, that just really pays an emotional toll Absolutely. and doesn't really, doesn't move the needle as much as attacking with curiosity. Absolutely. And because I hear like the kinds of criticism here, I just want to absolutely, absolutely make a, a quick clarification. There's two types of self-criticism, right? There's the positive self-criticism and then there's the negative self-criticism. Sure. Jokingly and hyperbolically, I used you suck just to make a point, but in actuality, the positive uh, self-criticism is the Socratic approach. You know, I know one thing, I know nothing, or the David Goggins approach, right? You know, you got to get out there. You have to have the accountability mirror. You, you just have to basically hold yourself accountable and just try to improve. That's the positive approach to be self-critical. The one where you feel comfortable that you suck, right? It's okay that we're weak as human beings. That's a beautiful thing, not an ugly thing. The negative self-critiquing is that I'm constantly failing, right? Meaning that I'm falling behind what I could achieve. That's a completely different thing. That's not self-criticism. That is basically pounding yourself to death. And that's a completely, completely different thing. The fact that you, uh, like the uh, issue that we have with social media, and I, I have these conversations with my students all the time, you know, they're, they're all, there's a lot of depression and there's a lot of effect from, from social media. And, and Jonathan Hyde talks a lot about this, about all the suicides of especially young girls. And the reason for that is because we're talking about a, a negative self-criticism, people comparing themselves to the best versions of the best versions of the best times of some individuals on the internet, which is exactly what the social media does to you. Like you see people which are expressing the best versions of themselves at the best times of their lives without talking about all the negatives and people are comparing themselves to that like i said this is a game we cannot win right so this is a negative self-criticism this is an, a, a, yeah, the, a a comparison it's no longer you versus you it's you versus the idealistic version like you can never compare yourself to alex you will beat you you'll be beaten every time because alex is an idealistic version of a poker player is the best poker player there is right because that's by definition that's how she was created right so we will be losing that game every, every time. And I want to make, I jokingly say we suck, but I, I mean it, we suck positively, not we suck negatively. We suck in the Socratic sense, right? We suck in the David Goggins sense. We don't suck 
in the you know uh in the way that uh, you know the the teenagers perceive themselves right sure. that's absolutely um and to to add on to that a little bit just it's not enough to i mentioned like curiosity we, we talked about like negative self-talk and positive self-talk it's not actually enough in my opinion to talk negatively or positively mm -hmm. to yourself you have to feel it it has to resonate with you mm -hmm. emotionally you have to believe it right because what i find is like I was, this is kind of on the top of my mind but um because it uh it came up during a coaching session in wolves but like when my kids when something happens right and it's like they they skin their knee right when they were younger um and like are you okay and they're like i'm okay i'm okay and but like their lips quivering right they're about to cry right like clearly they're not okay right. they're verbalizing because they want to be okay right but they're not okay and in, in poker this, this manifests like you lose a massive pot right i'm watching a plane explain video you're playing you lose a massive pot and you're like i'm okay that's okay that happens that's okay right i can tell that it's not okay internally and that's the thing that actually matters here more than the verbalizations um is like how is this making you feel we can't be like oh i'm self-criticizing out of love right and it's okay because i love myself but you feel like death right like you're just deceiving yourself um so like really pay attention to like the way that the way that you feel verbalization is just not enough um and really just be honest with yourself because right. like that's that's where the growth stems from um is when you're honest and not deceiving yourself exactly you can love yourself and accept that you suck that's okay sure i mean you know so socrates loved himself too right you know yeah, david like, bogan's like when himself you say too. that it's reflective of like this inner feeling of right. you you can say that you suck and you still love yourself right exactly right like exactly. i can say that i suck and i still love myself but there are other people that can say they suck and laugh but feel really bad about themselves they can say they're great and feel really bad about themselves you, you um, see you see that's where and again i sound like a broken record but i think that's where we start uh, getting into the crux of the issue the reason why i think people hurt when they say uh, the thing they suck is because they had unattainable goals we think we think as humans we're better than we actually are that's what meta humility reminds us we're not as great, as great you see maybe like we want maybe. to challenge that we want to challenge the fact that you know we think we're we're amazing right i mean well, somehow maybe right? we and, just want it too fast right maybe we we just want progress too quickly right but but, but that's a problem though it, it is a it is a problem right yeah, it, so. it, it's a it's so it's not that we're not good enough or that we can't reach there eventually it's just we don't we're not able to zoom out and look at the graph and be, be like oh it's trending up so like in a couple of years maybe i'll be a lot closer to like where i eventually want to be right but i i do want to challenge that concept of even yeah. hope sometimes even the hope is, is 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 a bad thing you know like you say we like to think that way we make it's not that we're not going to get there eventually we may or may not is my sure. point and that's okay there's going to be people who are going to be unsuccessful and that's okay we may be unsuccessful and that's okay right you know that, that doesn't mean we cannot try like i, I want to make that clear no, like, it, it's a good it's, point and like it, we we judge ourselves with the person we look at in the mirror every day right. and maybe if you're a poker player the best version of you is still a losing player mm -hmm. so you, you could be the best version of yourself as a poker player right. and still not make money and that's a very bitter pill to swallow yeah maybe poker is not for you and that's okay right well, i mean I know, you I know love, you love doing it and you have inf infinite money and you're, you're the best version but you still there lose you, money then there you go maybe, maybe it's okay maybe it's okay exactly i, I agree with you 100 percent right you know like like maybe football is not for me brad i mean i have my my issues that i need to resolve you know so <laughs> yeah but maybe you yeah. love the game and you yes. like getting out there and uh and messing around you, you have fun Right, being made fun of, you know, you like that 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 concept, yes. No, I, yeah, I agree everybody you. loves being made fun of. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. So, uh, so these are some of the, the 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 potential pitfalls, right? I mean, we can, um, uh, uh, potentially, 
have the um uh but but also to to, to your point uh, so go uh, to look at this duncan duncan can't collect his thoughts over there he's, he's, <laughs> he's struggling um yes exactly duncan sucks you know so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what can you do Duck, duncan sucks <laughs> what can you do right um but um one of the another issue that I personally find uh, with uh, with self criticism, in particular with uh, people who are like uh, high in conscientiousness and uh, they they live a life of you know responsibility is important and stuff like that. Uh, when um, when you um, uh, when you spend a lot of time self critiquing what can happen is that your tolerance for external control may may wane basically that's another thing and that's what something that we actually see a lot with poker players right i mean it, it, poker players are very difficult to in general like as a um as a group like uh, they're very uh, in some sense uh, anti-government in some sense right i mean anti-governance not anti-government anti-governance sure. like they like to live their their own lives and things like that and again you know when you when you're a poker player you gotta take responsibility for a lot of things you gotta take responsibility for your own finances your your own boss so when you do all of those things when you're trying to be objective and critical about yourself when people start around you to tell you what you, to do it feels like you do the double work. You're already doing it. Like you already do what you, and that's why, you know, we're uh, a little bit more um, sensitive to, to things like, you know, uh, and, and and probably that's a gross overgeneralization, but basically a self-critical person, a very self-critical person is um, is, is difficult to, uh, to receive uh, unwarranted uh, external criticism. Yeah, don't, 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 tell, don't tell me what to do. You know? right. Don't tell me what to do, pretty much. Exactly. I've, I've already thought about this a lot, and I've come to my own conclusion, and I'm going to do exactly what I think I should do. And that's. And, and sometimes, you know, that can be a good thing, but sometimes also can actually be, be problematic. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as, we, as we saw, so, <laughs> what, what are some applications to poker, directly to poker? Like, you know, what... How can we apply self-criticism practically uh, to poker in order to improve our game? Collect your data and you know create something that's tangible that can give you feedback as to how you're doing. Um, so like if you think you're playing poorly in three butt pots, so that that's the self-criticism, um, then collect data of you playing in three butt pots um, in various, preflop formations uh, across various textures, taking different lines, bluff catching, value betting, um, and bluffing. And I mean, then quantify each of those and work to find upgrades. Absolutely. And uh, one thing I would, uh, I would add is that uh, doing the thing that you've been doing already uh, again and again, doesn't necessarily qu uh, quantify as practice or as potential self-criticism, self right? So uh, if, you know, we, I, 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 unless the thing that we do pushes us in a new direction that we're not comfortable um, with, uh, we're not practicing, we're recollecting, right? Sure. And, and recollection is not the thing that can actually help us improve. We're doing yeah. the same thing that we've been doing all over. Uh, create over landmarks, right? Like, mm -hmm. like I said, you know, create create landmarks. Go through every hand in your database that you played three months ago in three butt pots and verbalize your thought process. See how you played each of the spots. See how you're doing in all fa phases of the game, um, and then watch that video back three months later after studying that specific spot and investing energy into upgrading those areas and see the progress that you've made like make it tangible make some make a landmark that you can use that will guide you as to whether or not you're making progress and if you're not making progress then you know uh, there's a few possibilities number one would be that you've made it and you're playing three butt pots perfectly and you don't need any assistance and you've got it all covered the second would be that you have blind spots and you need an expert to come and look and see what's going on there and give you more paths to go towards so that you can make correct corrections and upgrade that facet of your game. So like um, when the internal 
when the internal method of relying on yourself, where you get stuck, you just get stuck and you're not making any progress, then you have to rely on an external force. Absolutely. And, and again, that doesn't mean that uh, you let the internal uh, process go dormant. It just means that you, uh, um, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. You allow for, uh, you add extra inputs, basically. That's what you do. You allow for extra inputs. Collaboration amongst humanity that has allowed us to have, you know, all the powers of the universe in our pocket and, you know, on my wrist. That's right. Exactly. On your wrist. <laughs> That's exactly correct. Um, are there some uh, pitfalls that uh, we should worry about? And in particular, what I was thinking about, Brad, is uh, you made a, a post uh, on, on Twitter um, a while ago, which I, I, I totally agree with, by the way, the idea that uh, there is a point that where as poker players, we should start to be results oriented. Right. And for those of you who are new to poker, you know, one of the classic things that uh, poker players say all the time, don't be results oriented, don't be results oriented, meaning, you know, just because you you run your kings into aces, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be playing like your kings aggressively or whatever. Right. I mean, maybe sometimes you're going to be in the wrong like your opponent is going to have the wrong side uh, or they're going to be at the top end of their range or whatever. Um, so talk, uh, talk to us a little bit about that idea, why there is a point where we should uh, be results oriented and how does it relate to self-criticism here? Yeah. I mean, if, if you, again, it like, if you're not making progress, if you're just doing the same things, right. And, and that you think are good and over time they're turning out poorly again and again and again, then at some point you need to reflect and ask yourself, Hmm, maybe I should calibrate. Maybe I'm not doing something correctly here. Like maybe there's something that I should learn. Right. And Absolutely. Honestly, I, I, I just would argue that that should be the case all the time, no matter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, it should be this like natural state of being mm -hmm. in judging and trying to progress and trying to learn um, in, in each spot on a granular level. But, but I think people just, it's a cop out, right? Like, oh, I'm just running X and Y under EV. And like, if it wasn't for that, then I would just be a crusher and, and like, oh, the bots are taking over online poker is unbeatable. Now, uh, nobody can do it because I've played a hundred thousand hands and I can't do it. Right. Um, that to me is just a cop out, right. It's just like sour grapes. Um, because you're not able to do it. You say nobody can do it. And you, and because you can't do it, no, you can't possibly learn anything that could help you do it, right? Um, so yeah, like we should be results oriented in that right. sense. Like we should constantly be results oriented. We, we should be analyzing what we're doing on a daily basis and judging and trying to grow. Um, you know, John, my Tactical Tuesday co-host puts it about as eloquently as you can on Ignition. When you play a session, you can download the hands two days later with whole cards up. And he's like, I took a test. This is the results of my test. Who, who, who wouldn't want to download and look at those hands to see how you did on the test, right? Like, mm -hmm. how, how could you not be doing that? Um, and lots of people in poker would argue that's results oriented, right? He's like looking at what actually happened in each individual hand. However, it, it gives feedback as to how your decision-making process is working, how the way you think about the game is performing in the in the real world so i mean all of these all all that stuff is feedback and the feedback generally is going to mean something i mean sometimes it means nothing and mm -hmm. that's okay too but like i would rather look at feedback that means nothing recognize it means nothing and move on than never look at any feedback because eventually you find stuff that does mean something and you can make upgrades and you can iterate and you can improve Absolutely. And you mentioned the, the word feedback and feedback is one of the important parameters that lead to success, right? I mean, we cannot um, uh, have a successful anything unless we, uh, we, we, try it, we, we try it through trial and error, right? And part of that trial and error is the feedback that we get. Now, we have to be a little bit careful here, and that's why it gets complicated in poker. If you, if you sit at the roulette, right, and you place bets, and let's say you win three bets in a row, you get feedback, but that feedback means nothing. Right, because again, everything is randomized. That's exactly what happens to poker to some extent, right? So that feedback, which is actually very important, 
it comes back clouded is what happens, which is why we should not be results oriented in the short term, because a lot of the information that we get comes with a lot of noise. That's what we call variance. Mm -hmm. But actually, it turns out that in the long run, and that can happen in roulette too, if you sit down in, in roulette for like, let's say a million hands, which, you know, Nobody should do. But uh, if, if, if you do that, you will see eventually that the feedback is going to start coming out negative and it will show you that you lose whatever close to 3%, um, which is the negative edge that you have on the roulette. So that's what we mean in poker when we say we should not be result oriented. We means we cannot look at the short term feedback. The long term feedback is still very much there and very much important. So what John is doing, he's actually building long-term feedback because he downloads all of these sessions and he puts them and he sees how he he, he, did, he did on the test. Now, I'm, 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 I mean, I cannot speak for John, but I'm sure that he's not going to like, you know, cry over spilled milk over that specific one hand that he lost and he bumped into his opponent's range. I mean, he's going to put things into a bigger perspective, correct? Correct. Like, he, the, he, the, okay. way, the way to do it appropriately is when somebody shows up with something that's totally outside of your parameters that you looked at the right. hand where exactly. you mentioned earlier, like assigning people a range. Well, when you assign somebody a range and they have something that's right. totally out of left field that you never anticipated, right. there's probably a blind spot there right. that you should attempt to reconcile. Exactly. Exactly. Correct. Yes. Right. These are things that, right. Not everything is variance, right? I mean, when you say that your opponent, for example, can never, can never have ace high in a certain spot and then they show up with ace high, I mean, that's not variance. That's clearly we're wrong there, right? Because yeah, we said wrong. They, can, they, they can never have ace high. And then here they are showing up with ace high. I actually think, like, you may disagree with this. I've looked at so many graphs and so many data sets these days that I can tell um, what's going on looking at a graph over, like, a relatively small sample size. Whether somebody's, like, following protocols, whether or not somebody's playing with consistency over, like, 10K hands, you can see the way that things are moving um, with their red line, with their green line. Um, and you can just see like, oh, this player is not playing consistently. Like that, right. that the, the, the commonality with all the, the crushers that I, that I see, that I coach, they play very consistently. Right. Just no. very methodical, consistent over time. Um, and over 10K hands, you can see like, oh, there's consistency in this graph. Um, right, right. And just to double down on your point, not only I do not disagree, but the math also agrees with you. Mm. Like the math will tell you that uh, you can actually make, people do that all the time with worse samples in real life, all the time, especially those who, who work in, in finance. Well, that's a completely different story because sure, sure. the assumptions <laughs> there, you know, things are not normally distributed and, you know, Taleb will be all over their, their, their faces and he will be correct, uh, you know, with fat tails. But anyway, to your point, uh, to your point, uh, this is in, in controlled environments where we actually know what we don't know. When it comes to poker, we know what we don't know. We don't know our opponent's cards, so everything is nicely and normally distributed. You can make inferences with very small samples. The difference is your confidence. As the sample increases, so does your confidence. So you can say, you can make inferences about your students, you can make inferences about your opponents with a certain degree of confidence. And that confidence just so happens to increase as your sample increases. That sure. doesn't mean you cannot make any inferences at all, right? So you are correct that you can make inferences with very small samples. Yeah, like over like 100K hands, I mean, it, it's fairly apparent who's making consistent good decisions yeah. and who's not. I mean, right, I, I, at that point, your, your confidence levels have- Very, very, very high. Of, Even yeah. in a game of like high variance where like you can go on bad runs, there is a consistency to the way that things look um, when you zoom out and have that much sample that you can say, okay, like this player is running below EV, they're running above EV, but they're playing consistently well, which will end in long-term success. And then somebody who's very inconsistent has, you know, just kind of spewing all over the place and lots of ups and downs. Um, and you can tell like, yeah, this isn't variance. This, this is the, in, the decisions you're making are impacting what we're looking at here. Um, and you can play a million hands to try to shake this out and it's not going to change anything unless you take responsibility, um, criticize yourself and right. try to make the appropriate upgrades. Absolutely. 
And not to run on a tangent here, but one more thing that I want to add, because we're talking about sample size and we have to be careful with sample sizes, sometimes even a sample size of one can give you a lot of information, right? Because there's a lot of correlational aspects. The classic example would be, you see somebody like, let's say, limping from uh, under the gun with like a seven four suited, right? You know, that person highly, this type of play, like uh, that person who limps under the gun with seven four suited, it's highly correlated with a losing play, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's just a sample of one, and that sample of one can give us so much information about that specific player. Now, are we 100% that that person is a losing player? No, but there's a high correlation between people who make this type of moves and, and vastly, you know. Well, what it does is it unlocks, um, it, it unlocks what we know about that specific profile of player that allow us to make better decisions against that, that player, um, even with a sample size of one, right? right. It's like, oh... I know this profile. I know how they typically respond in all of these situations. And so I already have a game plan to deploy against this one specific opponent. They've played one hand and they've limped under the gun with seven, four suited. Um, and that's a very powerful thing. Um, and it's almost always, I'm not going to say always, but 98% of the time, 99% of the time you can trust it. And the reality is, is like, what's the downside to something that you have such a high degree of certainty in? like 1% of the time they get you. Okay. 99 times, like you make informed decisions against that specific pro profile that allow you to make a lot of money. So like, I'm always of the belief, you know, um, shoot first, aim second, when it comes to like mm -hmm. tagging players and like anonymous pools, like tag them as a fish. And if they prove that they're not, then okay, you can untag them. But in general, like you, you want to make sure that you know, the, the, player type that you're playing against so that you can correctly calibrate and deploy the principles that you know against these specific players in all these different situations. Um, so yeah, like sample size of one can definitely be very telling. Uh, e even, e even sample size of one where somebody raises under the gun to like 2.5 or three bets to 11 big blinds. Like right. there are specific actions that studied players take that unstudied players generally don't take or don't just happen to chance upon that can tell us, oh, yeah, this player is probably a wreck. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I think we, we covered a lot of stuff today, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know if you have we've, any. We've any... Been, been all over the board. I think we've managed to to cover lots of things. I don't have anything to add okay. about anything, I don't think. I, I do have one 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 little last thing to, to talk about, and that's the idea that uh, – um, being self-critical is not the same as feigning modesty, right? You can still be at the, the best player at your table. You know that you're the best player at the table. You tell yourself you're the best player at the table and still be incredibly self-critical. I think, yeah. and, 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 and I think that's, again, once again, that's where we need meta humility, right? I mean, because it's very easy. And many of the listeners probably, I mean, they're the, probably the best players at the table, right? I mean, it's very difficult to to be like a a, a winning poker player unless you are, at, at, you know, the best or the second best player at the table. And there's um, hopefully the the listener is, and 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 if not, uh, hopefully they can work towards that goal. But um, it's okay to be again self critical and and try to learn, right? I mean, that's I don't know what you have any 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 thoughts on that? No, no, no thoughts. I, I think it's true, and like. Again, if you're being like, uh, if you're displaying false modesty or you're just like being modest while internalizing that like, no, I don't have anything to improve. I'm the best. Right. Like, I mean, that that's just another self-deception, right? Like that just falls in that same category. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And it's, and I think it's important. People should feel comfortable, you know, that when they're confident at something and they're good at that, they can say, you know, like I'm the best player at the table. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't, that doesn't contradict, you know, self-criticism. That doesn't yeah. contradict modesty. Right. I mean, it's just, it, it it's just fact, you know, it's just, and that's okay. When I walk into a poker room, I feel like I'm the best player in the room every time. Yeah. Like, and I'm not, that makes two of us. <laughs> I mean, I just do like, uh, that's my environment. This is right. my space. And this is um, what I trained my entire adult life to do. I've studied more than almost any human being on the planet. Like, so that's how I feel. However, I, at the same time, I also feel like I can improve in many different areas and there's many things to learn. So yeah, um, I think that you should play with confidence and then you should reflect on the results of your test. Absolutely. And I think that's an excellent 
a way to stop because it's a, it's a good it's a good lesson you know like be honest with who you are but also be honest with the fact that you can always improve no matter where you stand in the hierarchy absolutely excellent where, where can people find us so let's talk a little bit about that so that yeah, just great greatnessvillage.com subscribe on all the podcasts but greatnessvillage.com make an account on slack click through hop into the community you'll join the philosophical friday discussion channel automatically you can tag duncan tag me at coach brad in the channel um and duncan's on youtube yes exactly if you guys have any any questions or anything like that feel free to still buy leave a comment uh, yeah, uh Dun or... duncan will reply with 10 page essays <laughs> um to to your to your questions uh it's uh still i'm still working on it you know it's uh, <laughs> just re re respect people who are you know putting their time so i'm trying to yeah, he's still working he's still working on the essay it was <laughs> <laughs> it's still not over he started it three weeks ago he's still going it's <laughs> It's going to be a thousand pages at the end. That's right. A new book. Working on the new book. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Uh, well, see you next week, sir. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, man. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community. Book a coaching session or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.